the, the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Up. Just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. So you don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few of our partners that help make this podcast possible. First up is First Light. Great camo, fusion, cypher. You get to pick your option, or you can go that new ash gray color. Uh, they make fantastic merino. They make great stuff for elk hunting, great stuff for hunting down south, great stuff for deer hunting by us. Uh, so we rock it all year long. We love it. Check it out, firstlight.com. If you guys are in search of a new pack, then you guys have to check out the Seek Outside Short Tail. It's designed to cover three main uses, which are the western big game hunts, it's tree sand friendly, and it's great for backpacking long trails. And it can pack out close to 200 pounds. You could carry out a Jared. You can carry out one of me. If you use, want. The, use the promo code BOGA, all caps, for 5% off your order. Jared's sold separately. If you're looking to get into the tree saddle game this year, then you guys need to check out Trophy Line. These guys have been around since the 1960s, and they've been doing it ever since. We're going to be rocking their Ambush Light tree saddles this year. They're lightweight, they're comfy, and they're extremely easy to use for that beginner. Head over to their website and use the promo code BOGAHUNTING10 for 10% off your order. If you're looking for a quality, handmade, top-of-the-line traditional bow, look no further than Bivouac Bow Company. Jim and Georgia there are excellent boyers, handmade, custom. They are precise, and they make fantastic shooting bows. If you're looking for a great bow, check them out, bivouacbowco.com. So if you guys are like me and you find that buying new arrows can be completely cumbersome and annoying where you have to go to the bow shop and have them cut your arrows and glue in the inserts, then you guys need to check out Vector Custom Shop. All of their arrows are purpose-built, meaning they're going to take your draw weight, your draw length, and a bunch of other specs that you want, and they're going to actually make the arrow for you and then send it to you. And they have direct-to-consumer prices. So check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. There are a lot of good apps out there, but if you're a hunter and you're looking for a do-it-all app, check out HuntWise. First of all, they have GPS software that tells you where you are, where boundaries are, you, you can share locations. But it's also a, a community of hunters where you can all share what you're experiencing. We'll post there pretty regularly. Actually, that is where I have my only social media account. So if you want to see what's going on in my mind, go to HuntWise and check us out. All right, welcome to another episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Anthony Heller from Deervane. What's up, guys? I, I feel uh, honored to be a very special guest. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not everybody is announced as a special guest. So we, because we, you're very special for a number of reasons, like you have some great content online, you've got that, but we actually... It's because that's what my teachers told me. Right. Those are the special rooms I was well, put in, in in middle school and high school. That's, there's only a few special people, that's because you're really special. So... And we hunted with you a little and was kind of hunted with you in Wisconsin. Yeah. I feel like we were there. 
around each yeah, other. Yeah, somewhat you, stayed in the same camp, and we all froze our ass off. Yeah. That was a uh, that was a brutal. When you came in, you like swung. All of a sudden, we're like, "Hey, look at Anthony's here!" And you swung in in our little teepee. That started to turn into a real cold stretch. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was yeah. That was the coldest it's been in the rut. I think in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it was like zero in degrees. November, I mean, it was. Yeah, I remember looking like I was excited when we hit when I hit ten degrees on the way up to camp with yeah. you guys. Yep, and that was in like south southern Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> yeah, we hit ten north. degrees at like <laughs> five at night. I know, and then it kept dropping. <laughs> that next, how long did you end up yeah. staying? I just stayed the one night That's and right. just hunted that. I got there at night and then I hunted the next morning and then, yeah, because I was hunting that same that same weekend so i was like i'll come up and and film and hunt with with you guys for a half a day and then i'll pop back down to my property and keep hunting and warm my ass back up Mm. in a heated camper (laughs) did you you end up even (laughs) see anything that morning uh yeah we had a small buck um i think we had just like a small fork come in but that was i mean he just kind of bopped through but that was it i mean but it was it was cold as hell man i wouldn't i feel like when you know like right now a lot of the country is experiencing a huge huge temperature swing yeah right like in colorado yesterday it was 90 degrees and today it's like 32 and eight inches of snow yeah, or yeah. whatever <laughs> wisconsin yeah wisconsin where i'm at uh is a high of 65 today and last few days were like you know 75 80 yeah so and it's been 50 degrees like when you have huge temperature swings like that i think it really shuts off a lot of a lot of like animal activity in general I don't think it's just deer. I think it's like just animal activity in general. Go, ah, that's too much. Yeah, your bones hurt. That's like a the barometric shift is that's too great. Is that you why know? I've been feeling off? You might, it, we had it. It was what eighty <laughs> degrees, and today it was like fifty five is a high or something. Really, yeah. I just feel very weird. You feel a little off. You, mm-hmm. if it, you were a deer, you'd yeah. be bedded down all day, my friend. Dude, I wish I could. For sure, be a deer I feel right. like. You know those, you know those old guys. Like I used to have one at my work named Ray, and he used he got like some, I don't know, fake knee or something like that, yep. and he could always tell when it's going to rain. Yeah, right. Because the pressure would change. I feel like those guys have an unfair advantage. Exactly. Well, we can hunting. just I'll bat, I'll Tanya Harding Jared's leg. We'll uh, throw some metal in there, and then you'll be our bar- like our walking barometer. Does it like, count if I have like? <laughs> Uh, plates and screws in my face. Do you ever feel your face off when it? That's what I'm it, saying. I feel almost like a little like drunk, even though I haven't been drinking anything. Do you think you could tell me when it's going to rain next, based with that? Have no. you ever done it in the past or just recently? Not a chance. You couldn't. No. It'd be handy. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was fun. The next it would be super handy. The, the next couple. Jared, how it, are you feeling for that hunt? It was from like 55 when we got there. It was like we have a picture of us like cheersing when we got out mm-hmm. there. It's like sun is shining, grass is green. And like two days later, zero degrees. Like it was that morning when you, the morning of when you were there, I was planning to sit yeah. out to like noon and then maybe come in. It got to like ten, and I'm like, no, nah, I just I'm, we're cold. You know, we have the camera stuff all getting messed up. It was cold, so Mark and I got down. We kind of walked up one way away from where we came in just to check out a new mm-hmm. spot. Walked back and we cut a buck track. That had literally gone exactly where we were looking. Not only did it go where we were looking, waiting for it to come out, it literally went under our in our tree, like to our exact tree, 
sniffed it. You could tell because the snow was so fresh and it took like three bounds. So it was like 15 yards away and then walked off. So literally I got out about 15 minutes, 20 minutes too early. That just goes to show you just got to push through when it's the rut. Even if things are cold, (laughs) even if things are shut down, that was a painful lesson to learn. I think about that all the time. (laughs) I definitely agree. It is a painful lesson. Um, but you never freaking know, man. I think that's like, that's always like a flip of a coin because you never know what's over that next ridge. You never know what it'd be like to sit in that tree 40 yeah. yards away and not this one. Like there's always so many what ifs that like, you just got to pick a decision and do it. Right. Oh, I'm with- <laughs> this is, it is what it is. It's I'm with you. I, but I feel like when I'm sitting in or like when it's late at night and I'm day, you know, daydreaming, getting ready to go to bed or like in the day, just kind of lost in thought. I go through scenarios You'll like that. I'm like, man, can you, man, if I only did this, what, if I only went over that next ridge, that's where the elk were, you know, that's in this case, that's where the buck would have been. So, uh, we really, we wanted you really on, um, because we're, we're, this is part of our whitetail series. Um, and one big thing you're going to see and hear about is the October lull. Different opinions surrounding what the October lull is, if there even is an October lull. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, um, we should probably define what the October lull is. Anthony, I don't know if you want to throw out a, a suggestion of what it is <laughs> or what it's perceived to be. or you know, Use your own definition for it. I want to hear kind of your thoughts. Uh, the October lull is this uh, mythical time where <laughs> deer just like don't get on their feet and stop moving they cease from moving like october like probably like i don't know the 8th to like the 20th i i I really don't know like i'm not it's like middle time some amorphous time in the middle of the month yeah if you can't tell from my definition i've never experienced it and i don't i I don't experience october well i found a great i found a great definition for it and i think it'll support what you say I was preparing for this. Mark Kenyon writes, it's a perceived decrease in deer activity during mid-October, something like that. And he he marks, like, I think the key word he later mentions is the perception of decreased activity. Hmm. And I think that is the crux of the the white, the October lull. I don't know what you, what you, if you would agree or not, Anthony, but I feel like it's, it's not a really a thing. It's just what people believe to be because the way that they're hunting, they're not seeing as many deer in that spot yeah there's like a million things that can contribute to it but like the top ones that i think people really kind of like set on are the top ones that can contribute to that perception of there not being movement as just like you're hunting you're you have the wrong strategy like you know maybe you're sitting a yellow bean field like you're not going to see any deer in that anyway exactly or or maybe all of a sudden there's a ton of pressure in your area so now you're not close enough to the bedding areas or you're, you're not far enough away from people. So you're just not seeing anything or around that time frame, you know, a lot of deer like food sources transition from like beans or whatever else to something else. So the deer change their pattern. Acorns start to fall more. Yeah. Doing more rubs, more scrapes. Like there's just so many things that contribute to that, that I think people get that perception that they just don't, they don't move, but like I said, I've never experienced it. And there's also the only way you could ever really say that it even exists right. is if you have like 90 freaking trail cameras 
on like a hundred acres and all of a sudden movements like way down, mm-hmm. you know, and you actually have hardcore data to, to back that up. Yep. Otherwise like the, the thought that you're just a bad hunter is always out there. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right. I think, and you know, actually there are several studies that, that actually show that buck activity from the beginning of October to the rut is actually at a slow increase throughout the entire month. And so, yeah. you know, from what I've seen, and, and you mentioned this, it's these changing food sources and types like yellow beans, deer just not are, getting, are not going to be out there. You know, new availability of things like white acorns out in the woods. Hunting pressure. Hunting pressure after a while, just, you know, they yeah. maybe move less during the daylight hours or past certain spots that are hunted at more. So it's like this perception of a lull, but really at the end of the day, it's it's just you, you haven't shifted your your strategy to match maybe what the deer are doing. Yes. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I just feel like, you know, there's always that early, like even like the pre-rut, like for me, the pre-rut starts, like if I were to put a date to it, it'd be like October 15th. Yeah. The date that I always put to like the pre-rut. Just like does, like bucks kind of start pushing their testosterone around at all sorts of given times. Right. You know, like, they might pop bucks might be like, Hey, I'm horny and I want to go on October 2nd and you're going to see them hitting scrapes and you're going to see, you know, I also think there's like a, a, I don't have any science to prove this at all, but I, I do think there's like a, a competitive factor where like once bucks in a certain area, like one buck starts getting like high testosterone levels, they kind of push other bucks into getting there. And then same with does like does get high estrogen levels they'll start and coming into estrus and they'll start pushing other uh, does into like estrus as well, just from being around them. And there's fair, I think it's pheromones. I think it's hormones and they just kind of get going. It's kind of like, this is a really, really strange. I'm almost embarrassed to even say this, but it's like how women, if they all live in the same house, they all of a sudden start getting their period at the same time. You know, that's the only time (laughs) that, that, that phenomenon has ever been discussed on this podcast. Hey, (laughs) <laughs> we did say a special guest yeah and this is our special guest this is the reason <laughs> right. why yeah Dude, I, but seriously like i mean like that's why you see like you know you always see in facebook or instagram like october 20th dudes will be posting the rut is on and they got a picture of you know bucks chasing does and stuff like that and then in that area that specific like subsection of a herd it might be unless you trank all of them and test them you don't know and no one else can tell you different it's all anecdotal. It's all observed evidence, and you just yeah. have to be out there to, to watching it to understand what's going on at that moment. For sure, and so a ton of it is is like garbage. It's it's you know kids or people that just don't know like really when the rut is actually moving and stuff like that. And we always make memes about it and joke about it. But I mean, it is entirely possible that in that area there could be you know fifteen bucks and I don't know forty does, and and half the does are in estrus and half the bucks are are like you know, high testosterone levels and they're getting after it. And the rut is on in uh, late October in that area. And it just might happen. I, who knows? I don't. Yeah. Right. It, it's then there's a lot of theories like is it moon phase or is it, do you guys, do you guys do moon phase? I, I can't say I have a strong connection to any, anything like that at the moment. You No. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I, I, no. I don't know. I, I don't know enough to say no, but I don't feel like that's right. I just kind of hunt at the end of October. I kind of start treating that as the rut, and I figure at some point I'm going to catch it, catch the rut. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Dude, I, I I swear people like mark down on their calendar like Halloween is the start of the rut because that's when I always see like public landowners like it just booms, you know, a couple of days around Halloween. It'll be, you know, all through October I'll have all this public land pretty much to myself and like five other guys. Then Halloween hits and it's like, no, I'm, I'm going against 30 guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, actually I've, I've had better success or like November 7 on to, you know, right before the gun opener and the 15th here. I feel like that is often a time where I'll see some good, I feel like maybe there's just less people because they think they're, you know, it's after October yeah. uh, 31. It's not quite gun season here in Michigan. So everybody's ramping up for that and saving time. I don't know what it is, but I feel like that's kind of the mm-hmm. time that work has worked better, better for me. I'm pretty sure there's a statistic out there that the number one day to kill uh, a book buck is November 7th and November 6th and 8th are almost like, uh, are, are the same. They're less than the seventh, but those two it's your odds of killing a big buck are extremely high compared to every other day on the sixth, seventh and eighth. And, for sure the seventh my uh my my biggest buck hanging up jared it was killed on the seventh mine was on the fourth was it mm-hmm. so but yours was yeah. in Il- illinois so i don't know if that would i don't know, that I don't know that. they are an hour behind <laughs> but maybe yeah, they're, they're an hour another... behind <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole topic in itself is like the rut report across you know the midwest the east and the south like i you know, like I said, I I just feel like it's it. A lot of it has to do with weather and change and stuff like that. But I mean, you have that subsection of of deer in Alabama that are running in February, right? And I had a podcast with a guy uh, a couple weeks ago, and he had a, a guest on that killed a buck that was rutting and was breeding a doe on like August fifteenth in Florida. Wow. Right, he was just getting like, what the him. hell is good that? <laughs> just before everyone he's else, he's a happy buck. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he's like, ha All you guys are waiting until <laughs> November. I'm just gonna do this right now. Get you know, on. his offspring will. You know how we refer during hunting seasons like one and a half, two and a half. They'll be like one and three quarters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. my one and three yeah. quarters. Thanks, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, yeah. That big buck in the litter for sure. Yeah, he just popped out. It was. uh December when that thing was born, you know, mm. like popped out early. <laughs> um, so you're, uh, so, you know, a big thing, and it sounds like and we agree on this is not so much as the deer just cease to exist during this time or just sleep until the rut. It's more that they do different things. Um, you know, like we mentioned habitats different, like they have less food, you know, um, other things like it's, the leaves are dropping so you can see into the woods better. So something that maybe was thick is different. So they're just tra- changing travel patterns, right? Um, all that yeah, points to sure. the fact that you need to adjust in certain ways. So say you get to uh, October, are you hunting very differently uh, between October one and October 10, maybe for example, now you do it changing your tactics up at all or, um, or like, how are you, how are you approaching that? So, so my main state's Wisconsin. Yep. And generally Wisconsin opens September this year, it's September 12th. I think this is the earliest it's ever open. So I'm hunting this Saturday. Oh man. But, you, uh, you dirty yeah. we have to wait so I know. long. Good I know you. you guys have to wait till October 1st, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, um, I have like two to three weeks of hunting in already by the time October 1st hits and that kind of quote unquote lull begins. Right. Um, 
So I'm already changing my tactics anyway, because if I'm not successful in those first couple of weeks, it's because I'm doing something wrong. Right. So I'm trying something different. And generally, um, for me, like a lot of the land that I hunt is marshy. It's pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, so I start generally early, like early season. I start on the fringes, like shorter walks, um, you know, not so invasive and not so like getting back there. And I've actually found that to be effective. It seems like the deer as season goes on, they push further and further away from the food sources Mm -hmm. due to pressure. So like in the early season, I can catch them like in daylight within like a hundred yards of the food source. And that's like, you know, mid September. Yeah. Uh, in early October, maybe I'm like three to 500 yards from the food source in order to catch them in daylight. Yep. So like I'm slowly pushing back into these swamps and I've actually like, I've gone through and places that I've found were phenomenal in mid to late October. Mm-hmm. Um, I've put trail cameras on those in the early season and I get like nothing and I'll put trail cameras just closer to the food sources and I'll get a lot more activity there. So I just, I don't go that deep early season unless I really know like this is where a deer is in this like pretty much general area. Otherwise I'm, I'm hunting kind of fringes. And I'm not saying that's the most effective thing because I, I know people who go deep right away on opening day yeah. and they get and they find success. But a lot of times it's because like they've scouted that very hard. They've got the data. They've got the historical data. They got the trail camera data that says, like, I need to do this. Right. And if that's the case, then he, of course, I'm going to do that as well. But I just don't I haven't run across that yet. And those spots are. I just don't have enough trail cameras and enough time to find those spots. But when you do, don't tell your buddies about them. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like very predictable, re- repeatable, and even comes down to that that every year within the year or within a week or whatever, deer moving, basically doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I totally forgot to answer your question. But to answer your October 1st, October 10th, Yeah. Um, I will on the 10th, generally around the 10th, the 8th to the 10th, um, I'll really start to actually trying to go to, um, spots where I know like historically there's been good quality scrapes. Okay. So I'll kind of generally hunt scrapes from October 8th to 10th, somewhere in that range yep. to October 25th. Maybe I'll be hunting scrapes and travel routes to and from scrapes for the Listeners, you know, a lot of times we'll get new hunters. A scrape is basically deer scrape at the ground, a big patch mm-hmm. of exposed dirt, pee in it and stuff, rub their face on. Branches hanging above it kind of as a signpost. Um, and so at that time of year, it's, you know, sounds like that's kind of your main strategy. You identify those and identify routes to and from them. Yep, you got it. Yeah, closer the closer the scrape is to, like, a bedding area and – for the new hunters, uh, you know, I should be explaining this a little bit better, but bedding areas were always extremely difficult for me to figure out when I first, like, I don't know, about 10, 10, 12 years ago, when I first really started diving into like hunting and trying to really get after it. Mm-hmm. I was like, where the hell are these people always talk about bedding areas? Where, where are they? I don't understand them. And the first thing about bedding areas is that they, they shift throughout the season. Um, like I said, you can find, 
deer on the edge of fields and stuff like that um, in the early season because they're, they're bedding close. They don't have pressure. The food's there. The water's there. Like, why are they going anywhere else? As pressure picks up, as vegetation falls, as you mentioned, like their cover starts to disappear. So they go to the thicker and thicker areas to, to hide and to bed down and be safe for the day. Yep. So if you find those, like if you can, if you don't know bedding areas, generally it's just the thickest, nastiest stuff you don't want to walk through. Like that's a bedding area. That's a great place to start. So if you can find a scrape, that big patch of dirt within like 50 yards of one of those thick, nasty thickets, Mm -hmm. that's, that's where I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit, you know, 30 within 30, 40 yards of that at least once or twice. Yeah. I, I found, you know, especially like you find a little point out into uh, like a peninsula out into a swamp. Uh, sometimes at the end of them, either there's like, re- it's really swampy and thick. Sometimes it'll connect with like shallower water to another point and like have just like a really like cat tally thing in between. I found, and there's one of those big rapids that I've got a good spot on. Uh, but in that little area, I have found that to be actually great for uh, like hunting right over beds. Like they'll bed all up in those those points. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's like it's almost like if you have if you're I fish a lot. I like and if you can find points for fishing as well. Like de- like deer love that as well. They love those points. They love being on the end of them because they can bail off in the swamp and coyotes ain't going to run them down. Humans ain't going to run them down in the swamp. Right. Like they have the advantage there and they can disappear. Um, and a lot of times like they'll set up on that swamp so that the wind is in their favor coming from the woods. So it makes it really difficult to like sneak in on them. You just have to wait for like perfect winds and then you can usually get an opportunity. And that's actually like my opening day, my opening day plan is I, I'm actually hunting a point exactly as you describe. So you'll come in from the land side, work your way to- into the point as far as you can, post up and wait for them to come out towards you? Yep. So the point is about, I'd say it's about 80 to 90 yards wide, and it's about 150 yards deep. So I'm going in about 60 yards yep. into it. And I'm kind of going based on the wind. I'm I'm slightly off to one side or the other, left and right. Yep. And uh, and the rest after that, like from 60 to 150 yards, is just super thick. Yep. Real like real thick. And then my only problem is that there's two big oaks in there, and if they're dropping acorns, those deer have no reason to leave. Right. During daylight hours, but um, where I am at as well also has acorns. So. I don't know, maybe they're not dropping. I haven't gone to check them, but I also don't, I mean, I'm four days away, so I don't really want to jump in there. No, kind of go and figure it out as you go and kind of adjust. Yeah, I'll just, I'll hunt it the first night and see what happens. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times in the middle of the month, uh, especially if we do a lot of public land, I'll just find a bunch of these little bedding areas <coughs> um, around, like just around the area, try to, you know, highlight them all on my map so that like, Sometimes when middle of the, the rut I'll, or, you know, middle of the quote unquote, like October lull, I'll just take a flyer on a spot that I don't know tons about, you know, and just kind of get aggressive, go really close either to the bedding area or if it's the morning, maybe like take a boat out and really hunt almost over the bed, hunt them coming in right, hopefully at, at daylight. Mm-hmm. And that's worked pretty well. Like you can, yeah. you can, you just kind of like get a little aggressive, kind of 
take swing at something that you know you normally would have either you know been kind of babied a bit or whatever but it's just a flyer spot and i feel like that's worked well or at least i've seen a lot of i've had a lot of opportunities that way yeah oh dude i i i think that's a great idea um one of the other things i like about that early october time frame is that the rut's right around the corner so if you bump deer and you get like too aggressive and you bump them out they'll probably be back within a week anyway. It right. It's not, it doesn't really matter because <laughs> the rut's coming. So like if you have, you know, if, if you have a bunch of different spots that you want to try and you think one might be too aggressive, yep. just wait for a good strong wind and then go get in there and give it a shot. And if you bump them, like whatever, yep. um, because a lot of times they're coming back, especially if does stick around in the area. Yeah. You know, actually that, that I get good. I got a question for you. Um, so here's my situation. I've got a spot where I have historically, I've had trail cameras out. I've seen, seen a lot of bucks in there and I've even done this middle of, you know, when I, I actually, the way I found this was doing exactly what I just said. You know, it was middle of the October. It was kind of a rainy day. I'm like, I've got a, like an afternoon where I have time. So I went out and I just still hunted through this swamp, which was basically shin high muck. You know, and I went and I actually had a good shot. at It was it was a six point, Mm -hmm. but it was cool to like kind of stock up on them, see what they were doing in there. But I could see this huge. It's like an open cattail, like with clumps kind of all through it. But I could see that as a great spot to just get in there during the rut, Mm -hmm. post up in one of those, you know, on the ground because there's no trees. (laughs) Post up in kind of one of those reed like sections and just wait for does and bucks to chase each other around. I feel like that would be a good spot. I kind of want to try this year. Hey, we wanted to take a quick break here from the conversation to thank a couple of our sponsors who helped make this show possible. One of the reasons why James and I love hunting so much is because we get to share our wild game with other people. But we need to be able to do it that's easy and reliable every time. Gorilla Grills is a local company here in West Michigan based in Holland. One of the great things about them is they ship the grill directly to you. There's no middleman, no big box store, so they're able to make a superior product at a better price point. The food and the smoke quality that's coming off this grill is unbelievable. We've received so many compliments on it already. So if you guys want to find out more about what Mark and his team are doing over there, head over to GorillaGrills.com to order your new grill. Now a proud partner of Boga Hunting, the American-owned, veteran-owned, Wisconsin-based Vortec Optics Company designs, engineers, produces, and distributes a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Dedicated to providing unrivaled customer service and exceptional quality, Vortex backs its products with an unconditional transferable lifetime VIP warranty. So if you guys want a glass with the best, head over to VortexOptics.com and use promo code BOGA20 for 20% off. Thanks for listening, and let's jump back in. I had a, I had a friend tell me one time that, and I don't know how much I believe him, but uh, he, he says the guy has all the bucks on the wall to prove it. But he doesn't, during like the pre-rut, and the rut he will put on waders and take deer trails through cattails and he'll take rattling antlers and he'll take a grunt call and he'll essentially go through there and kind of like go island to island and check all these spots and he'll just do rattling sequences and calling sequences 
and um, he'll just wait for him to come down that trail in the cattails because when you're in that cattails like you know it's just as well as anybody yeah like it's it's a wall of cattails you can't there isn't see anything really a different place yeah and there isn't another place for the deer to go like it's coming down that trail if it's coming at you and uh he says he's got a bunch of bucks on the wall frontal frontal shots with a trad bow frontal shots with a um, trad bow well, that is a manly way to do it that's pretty sweet <laughs> yeah on trails yeah i'll set up on like a corner and he'll and he says uh, his like one of his longest shots is ten yards. Like so he and I don't like. I couldn't tell you that it's true or not. That's these are stories you know, that, that I hear. I love this. I like that idea. <laughs> I, it makes it actually makes sense. So so what you're saying is he this man will take his trad bow, throw on his you know waders, hip boots, whatever, walk down these cat trail deer trails you know that are through the cat trails. So it's really if anybody cat if you cat trails if you can imagine <laughs> it it's just points. yeah, yeah it, it's just like a skinny point through the swamp basically and so he'll walk down there wait for it to have a, a curve like a, a, a and an angle he'll set up there and call him in and he'll just kind of wait back in the reeds is that how that works yeah pretty much like he goes like if you think if you think a buck's bedded off a point right yeah or if you think like some does are bedded off a point you think some bucks are in there he'll try to get like within 50 yards of that point and find a corner in a trail or something like that. And you can almost do this via satellite maps. Right. Right. You can zoom in That's and you what can I'm picturing. see the trails on Onyx. Yeah, yeah. You can see them. So you can get on those and scoot down one, find a corner and you just set up and you know, they're coming cause you can hear them running through the water. That would be an intense hunt. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, that's what he's saying, man. He's, and he's like, you know, he's one of those guys that, uh, he's, he doesn't have social media, you know, he's an electrician. He doesn't do like, you know, he doesn't do, he's a super blue collar. doesn't do really any technology, but he's looked at me dead in the eyes and was like, that's how I do it. And I was like, bullshit. (laughs) Even (laughs) just for the fun of just trying it. Like half the time I like to try new techniques or try a little bit out there strategies just because, Sometimes, mm-hmm. what if you know it could actually be a little upper hand that you know no one's thought of? There's got to be. I love that. I'm. I actually will be thinking yeah. about that. That's something I'm going to be daydreaming about now. I mean, if you're gonna like, to be honest, if you're in the rut and you're going from you know one spot to the other, why the hell not? Right. Give it a shot. Throw some antlers right? together. You're making noise, anyways. Right. So he he did say there's something to like he said his secret is in how he moves through the water, which I don't know what the hell that means, but I imagine it's like he's like making himself sound like a yeah, deer walking with the, the right water. cadence, not, probably. Right, yeah, or splashing around. I I don't know, but yeah, and I don't know how deep a water he's in or whatever. Anyway, I, sounds like a perfect opportunity for the Jared Buck run. The Jared Buck run, because what you I think. And I, we've all <laughs> spent a lot of time listening to deer walk through the swamp before you see them, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. it's just kind of irregular kind of movement. I don't know. I gotta now. I want to listen through it to it okay. now so I can well, replicate. Let's put let's put two and two together then. Okay. He has a set of rattling antlers. Yep. Right. So he's probably doing a rattling sequence. Yep. Why can't you just rattle and run to the spot that you want? Deer, like when bucks are fighting, they're pretty. Yeah. Pretty rambunctious. And then wow. you kind of yeah. Just, just so kinda, it really wouldn't matter how he walks through. You just need to sound like bucks fighting. Bucks in the, fighting. That's that was my next question. Like if they're fighting in the swamp, that's got to sound like a dude is swimming. In yeah, there. that's just what I'm saying. Like kids splashing around. That's a loud. Yeah, it's I yeah, it's not quiet for sure, and that's probably why it's a little effective because it's so loud. 
like i mean if there's a deer in the air they're gonna hear it and they're either coming to check it out or they're running away so we've talked about that in the past like your cadence in which you walk into the woods tells your prey a lot about you know even just hearing it like your intent and we, we talked about this in a small game episode uh but like i found that i can walk right up to a rabbit when i'm rabbit hunting if it's near a place where people hike and I walk at a pace that people hike at, you know, and that's linked through the woods because they won't let me get close that way. The moment, like, I do something with my body, and I've been testing this out, where it seems like I'm going to attack, they will, they'll, that's when they'll take off. But if you have, like, posture that makes it seem like you're just walking <laughs> on through, they literally, I've had it with deer, too. Um, there's the North Country National Scenic Trail that goes through Lowell, and I've spent a little time hunting back out there. And I've just taken the trail in and I've walked like at a good pace and I've walked right past yeah, there were little deer, but it's like, they clearly did not think I was a hunter at that point. No, dude, I have uh yeah, I have some friends who they, they go tourist duck hunting. Um, <laughs> there's a spot just outside of town where it's legal to hunt and, uh, they will get in a canoe and wear like Hawaiian shirts and <laughs> all sorts of shit and just have their guns sitting in the bottom of the canoe <laughs> and they will do pretty well. Like they'll go kill ducks out of that canoe while they're just <laughs> scooting down the river. <laughs> I'm telling you, Eric, like animals associate <laughs> certain things with danger. And I, I feel like, I feel like there's something yeah. to it. Maybe camouflage isn't the right Yeah. Way. You need to wear purple and yellow. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That looks lose. like a hunter. No, nope, that's yeah, so clearly that guy's shirt. not. He's he, he's got the one colors I can see. <laughs> he's wearing a bro tank. I'll uh during mid October. I'll also I'll also shoot does. Sometimes that'll be he the gets time. his protein from powder. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Beefcake. <laughs> no, that's that's far off topic, kind of. But um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like the October lull stuff goes, um, what you were kind of what we were kind of getting at is during that time frame, it's just really about changing your tactics. And for me, it's still in the mindset of, uh, getting close to betting areas. Cause they're yeah. still like not quite doing a whole lot of daytime activity. And well, once they start hitting scrapes and once you start seeing like freshly opened scrapes, then, you know, a lot of times it's younger deer that start sooner right. than the mature deer. Um, and I've, I've seen that year and year or time and time every year over year because like October 10th to like the 20th, I'm generally getting two and a half year olds, some three and a half year olds or younger. And then like after the 20th is generally when big dogs, the four and a half, five and a half, six and a half year olds will show up unless you're on like a community scrape. Do you guys ever talk about that at all? We haven't covered that too much. That idea. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so like I, I should do more reading. I'm just not a good reader. Um, but, uh, uh, there's two, like, in my opinion, there's two types of scrapes and this has been backed by trail camera data that I have. And I call them, there's people call them community scrapes. And then the other ones I just call auxiliary or satellite scrapes. Community scrapes are hit year round by by deer there so like i like to think about scrapes as as beacons like or like connect the dots like if you're looking at a connect the dot page like all the dots are scrapes like they're just like places that deer go to check out 
what other deer are in that area, right? And community scrapes are open year round and deer bucks of all ages and does of all ages hit them year round just as a straight up marker that says, Hey, I'm here. And they leave their scent behind and it's just always used. You can find them open in April. You'll find them open in July. You'll, and they'll, they'll surely be hit in October, November, but they'll open back up in January. And those are just like permanent dirt patches. Um, and then you'll find like the auxiliary scrapes, which are the ones that you always find along field edges that they're never there until all of a sudden, like October 16th rolls around and boom, there they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And all of a sudden you got like a line of eight of them. Like those are only hit specific times of the year. And those are only kind of like rut dominance, like, Hey, I'm here. Let me know. And let me know if you're here too. And those are kind of like, like a community scrape, you'll have the majority of a box in an area and the majority of does in an area hit a community scrape. So there's just a lot of activity there. Those satellite or auxiliary scrapes, you'll have specific bucks and specific does hit those scrapes. So if you can find like a four and a half or a three and a half or five and a half or whatever the hell deer you want to kill, and you can find a scrape that he likes to hit, then that is like a, obviously a great place to sit. But there might be 15 scrapes along a field edge and he only likes two of them. So don't waste your time on the other 13. Just focus your time on those two. So that's that's my like definition of community and auxiliary scrapes. Um, and those community scrapes, they're far and few between. Like they're they're not around every corner like auxiliary scrapes are in November. So it's just, it's hard to find them, but generally I find them in like March and April when I'm out scouting and they're still open up and they're fresh. That's when you know, like, oh yeah. And you'll, you'll save those for a a rainy day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones that, that I really like to focus my time on (laughs) because you just get, you such good odds of seeing, seeing deer in that area. Yeah. Do you ever find them in like, um and specific type areas consistently, or is it pretty, pretty varied? I mean, there's, I think there's like conditions that need to be met for them to exist. And the biggest one is little to no pressure from humans. And then once you have those, and then it's how, um, is it, they're generally on some sort of pinch between, between or out of bedding areas. Yeah, if you're if you're hunting public land, like, I mean, if you're back in an area in April and you find, you know, a scrape that's open through the snow, like, obviously that's going to be a community, or it's very very likely to be a community scrape. Um, and then if you find that, take a look around because there's very likely also a bedding area very close. And then that also leads to like another theory that I have, which is like like primary, like annual primary bedding areas, Mm -hmm. areas that always, always hold deer, regardless of vegetation. Like this is the safe space. Interesting. So that's where they'll retreat to when pressure's up. Exactly. Yeah. And you'll find them there in, in April and March and February because there's no other vegetation, right? There's no other place to go, especially on public. Like they have to go to the thickest stuff that's 
you know, mainly wooded, not leafy. Um, and that's where you'll find them. And then, cause like everyone sees deer bedded down in the early season, like right off of field edges, or you always like walk through a CRP field on public and you can see the beds in the CRP. All in there. Yep. Right. Yeah. They're always in there, but that's not, that's, those are like secondary. Those aren't even close to primary bedding areas. Um, and this is uh, again, a theory I have, but it's worked out pretty well for me is because when the pressure turns up on October 20th, when everybody and their brother starts on October 25th, yep. October 31st, like they're going to the places that they feel the safest and they have the least amount of pressure. And that's where they're going to stay until May when it starts to really green up April or May and they get to start moving around again and they feel safe post up right there when the, that's, I mean, that seems like October lull would be a great time where pressure's up food may be different. You know, they're getting pushed in different places. They're going to go to where they feel safe. So that's a good strategy for sure. Yeah. So that was, I mean, I, I talked a lot there, but that's how I envision the, like the October lull is just, you're moving from, from spot to spot and you're just checking things out. And like, if you don't see something, don't get your hopes down. Cause it's unlikely that you're going to kill a good buck in that time frame anyway. Right. Like, I mean, you're really, it's not like the rut, right? You're not, you don't have good odds. So it's a great time frame to get out there, try to hunt outside of bedding areas, try to get close and get more aggressive and, and just see what happens. Well, and you learn, I mean, the other benefit of, of doing those things during that time period is that's when you get good firsthand knowledge of, places that you just otherwise wouldn't that's again i found a bunch of spots where i'm like well this seems like a good spot i just have not gotten in there yet don't really know what's going on i'll save it for literally a rainy day in in october and just kind of slink in there still hunt it and you i mean you get good pair of binoculars you walk through there you can see a lot of deer and you learn a whole lot about like what's actually going on ground level and like you said that time of year you would spook them out give it a week and if the rut's on i mean or the rut starts to come on then you're fine like it kind of erases that anyways right do you guys have you guys ever like had a property i also think like the october lull can vary property to property based on conditions again um pressure food sources bedding areas things like that do you guys ever have you guys ever experienced that on a property like uh where it just that goes dead yeah. Yeah. And, just like shit. There's like nothing. Yeah, we we had that. I think of that one spot. We actually had permission to hunt Jared that, mm-hmm. that guy's land. There was a period of time where we just couldn't find him. Like it was the first year we hunted there. We had all these spots picked out. We had trail. We put some trail cameras out, and there was a period of time in October where we just couldn't find him. And actually, we found where they went later. They were down kind of by his driveway. Like he has a, he had like a quarter, it was like a quarter mile driveway through all these hills. It was pretty windy and then it got to his land and then it kind of went, you know, back from there. But the front like driveway portion of his property was still maybe like a third of his total 80 acres, right? It was, it was a big chunk of of property and finally went back in there and it was super, like you said, super thick. We're not green, but like little, like it, like prickers, like real thick wood, wooded areas. Um, and I feel like that's where that, there's one big buck in there. I think that's where it went. Like nothing hunted it there. And I, I really, and I, I don't know if this is true or not. Um, I didn't know. So I tested it, but I was like, I think us driving through it also messes with it a little bit. 
and like they can see the headlights going through and maybe that maybe that affects them so one time i i parked at the very like right at the end of the road right where it went to his driveway and walked up and that was the time where i actually saw the most deer there ever so i say they probably were just betting on that whole ridge line yeah i think they were you know (laughs) watching you guys yeah just watching us drive right up i i mean it it makes sense and we that was the time we shot uh, i was uh on the ground and I'm like, it's getting daylight, and like you were posted up here. We were just kind of like we walked out, picked up a good spot, and just hunkered down. And you're like, you were actually ahead of me, and you're like, there are two deer, two does uh, coming your way. Mm-hmm. And so I was between those. I just had these huge uh, oak trees, and I'm literally just kind of peeking around one. I shot one just up on a hill above it behind uh, an oak tree, which is pretty sweet. That thing bled like it was snowy, and it looked mm-hmm. like he took a fire hose <laughs> and spread it through the woods. But nice. Um, but yeah, it was like uh, we kind of adjusted there and were able to figure out what the change was, and uh, mm-hmm. that worked out pretty well. So, yeah, I think a lot of people forget like that deer want to live too, right? <laughs> um, I and and if you're in an area where like I mean, seriously, if if some guy was in your neighborhood trying to kill you and he only checked, you know, ten of fifteen houses. Well, you'd hide in one of the five houses that right. he's not checking, right? Yep. So it's the same thing with deer. Like they figure out where you're going, they understand what you're up to, and then they they watch you come in, and then they move accordingly. Um, and I think like so, there's a property that a friend of mine hunts, and I I still hunt it all the time. Um, he's a good friend of mine. I film with him. One of his number one spots is a hundred yards from the cabin during the rut. Because yeah. no one ever hunts that hillside and it's a point on a hillside and, and it's super thick and there's one spot for a tree stand. You can only sit it in one wind, but one year his, uh, now wife had tagged out in like early November mm-hmm. and she was just literally sitting on the porch shooting her bow and she saw three Pope and young bucks off the porch while he was half a mile away. Right going to where he thought they would be deep <laughs> yeah deep and they were all right there in the front because everybody goes deep you know yeah so he ended up setting a trail camera there and he got you know a bunch of good bucks on that trail camera only during the rut they're not they're not there any other time but it's it's a travel corridor for um that isn't pressured doesn't really have tree stands on them doesn't have a whole lot of human scent in it and they just feel safe on it because it's one of those few areas that people just don't go Um, and I think that's something a lot of us can learn, I mean, learn from, and it's so hard to make that decision, to be honest with you, It is because you're looking at that piece right at the front entrance of the driveway. You're like, God, that's like nothing. Why am I ever going to hunt that? That's so stupid. If I did and I'm wrong, I'm going to feel like an idiot. Right. Exactly. And then, and then later in the season, you figure out that that's really all right. You're like, damn, I should have hunted that. Yep. (laughs) No, it's and it's that's the thing. Like they they know, and I I love that the analogy of if some if you like the, you're in like a crime area and you know where the murderer strikes. <laughs> I've heard that come like for for people who when they they talk about different times where they spooked deer, they're like, well, was it a time where you shot it? They saw you and they took off, or did they just kind of, you know, you made a noise and they didn't really know where you are and, and took off? And he's like, well like that the likelihood of them showing back up again is very similar to like if you saw a guy try to stab you and then you ran away as opposed to you saw a, sh- a weird shadow and you ran away 
And it's like, you know, that's yeah. the, the level, the, the certainty of the threat has a big influence on how they're going to react to it and come back. For sure. And I would, I would add on to that, that if they see you, it's, it's not, I don't think it's nearly as much of an issue as well. If they hear you or kind of like see you, yep. it's not as big of an issue as if they smell you. If they oh, smell sure. you, they know what the hell you are, right? If yep. they see like a dark shadowy figure moving, well, it could be a bear. It could be a coyote. It could just be, you know, the wind in a shadow yep. and they run away from that. But if they smell you like, yeah, good luck. Now, are you, are you a uh, big scent free guy or do you, are you a play the wind guy? No, no, I smell like ass, dude. <laughs> no, so, you, so you're sweat, going out man, not worrying about I, dude i have to change my socks daily just working in an office because i sweat same really? same oh yeah you can, same you monsters <laughs> i don't have a chance man feet are one of my hot spots are they oh yeah <laughs> what oh yeah i'm in the same boat like yeah my boots just smell terrible so you're just a play in the wind you're, are you using any scent free spray or anything like that uh, I use, I will like, I'll wash my clothes in scent-free detergent. I'll do this generally. Like I'll do it maybe twice or three times a year and I'll spray up. Like if somebody has it, one of my buddies has it or <laughs> yeah, something, or whatever, I'll borrow it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I guess, uh, and a lot of times I'm just walking. I, you know, a lot of the spots that I like to hunt on the public by me, um, they're, it, it, they're not like awful walks or anything. They're just long, like right. a mile, a mile and a half, two miles to get to where I want to be. And I just sweat during that time. Yep. So it's just like, if I'm going to sweat, like I'm not even going to try it. The only like real scent product that I actually do believe in, and I've had it work for me multiple times is nose jammer. Really? That That's worked well. You just spray it around you and it messes with them or. Yeah, dude. Have you guys ever used it? I've. I don't know, I that know what it is. It. Yeah, I've I don't just know that never, I've never used it. I've never it. bought some. I was on the fence. So yeah, full disclaimer. I'm not. I'm not endorsed or anything by Nose Jammers. I don't think that I'm trying to do this promo. And I actually had a friend try to get a sponsorship with him, and he's like, they they want nothing to do with sponsoring. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, maybe if you're like Michael Waddell, they'll give you a ring back. But yeah, right. Um. <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's dude it could literally be you could put a a vanilla label on that and label as like a car fragrance and and people would use it like it smells so much like vanilla it's like vanilla killer by uh team fitzgerald dan <laughs> fitzgerald do you remember vanilla killer oh yeah baby did you ever order that i did um, that's what nose jammer is it's just a highly concentrated yeah. vanilla In an aerosol smell. <laughs> yeah. did it work for you what'd you do with it no, I actually, I use I use the deer dander. Oh, you use deer yeah. dander. <laughs> deer dander is a little off the wall. That was nuts. They just though. have the really potent, strong. It's like take the smell of a tarsal gland, the, like of a deer, like literally the dander of a deer, and just rub it all over you, yep. and you smell so bad. Did, did that ever work? <laughs> it stunk so bad I had to keep the bottle outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh you my know, God. you know, like a skunk <laughs> smell. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. There was a day in high school I got so pissed at this one kid. Like I almost did it. I was gonna just drop a bottle of deer urine in his, <laughs> under his car seat in his car, 
Um, I did not. I did not do it. I just, I was so mad. That was like my one thing I was going to do to get back at him. <laughs> uh, I happened to be uh, at a party in college where a group you of indi- parties in college. There were a few. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a group of individuals at the party who got an individual to take a shot of deer urine. No. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. That yes. gives me the gags to think Gross. about. Yeah. And when I tell you his name later, you're gonna be like, you're gonna laugh. You're. Will I be surprised? Off. Um, no. No. Because he was kind of he was kind of <laughs> always that guy that was like instigated to do everything. Yeah, sure. For the sake of the group. <laughs> that one kid you could peer pressure to do yeah. everything. Yeah. And he he would do it because he wanted to be part of the group. Yeah, I mean you do what it takes at that so point. He did it all. That is unfortunate. I threw uh, a whole bottle of something called liquid ass in your car. Yes, you did. <laughs> it was supposed to de- evaporate. Like you, the trick was, you took like a little dropper, you put it on something, and it like for twenty minutes something just smelled like like poop. It was the worst smell. And I took a whole, we had been we had gotten into a series <laughs> of payback paybacks where I don't know who actually uh. started it. At, you, like rotten apples in a car once you uh, um i hit you with a pricker branch oh yeah and i hit you with a i snuck up and hit you with one of those poles for, uh, <laughs> for a landscaping like yeah, marker smacked just you on crack. the back it's just smacked him on the back this was when we were in high school i don't know what we were thinking or what and that, that escalated the apples in the car escalated the and i think the nuclear weapon was the the liquid ass which, yeah so i had a f- Four like a '94 Ford Ecoline van, oh. you know, with the four captains' chairs, you know, the TV and the dash, the back seat laid the back all seat the way down to van. a bed. Yep. Oh yeah, that's my senior car. If that van's a rocking, <laughs> don't come a knocking. <laughs> Never did. Oh, man. But James, somehow you got a hold of this liquid ass at a hunting trade show. Like which? Those? Why you were buying liquid ass at a hunting trade show? I don't know. I, th- I don't either. I don't. I have no explanation. Irregardless. <laughs> You bought it, and he decided to be all right. This will be the new call. Put a few drops in the back of, or under my seat. Yeah, that was more than. A and few when drops. I got into my van, it was <laughs> the most foulest, just hot <laughs> poop smell. Because it was it was summertime. Oh yeah, it was. You know, it, it it's been. It in was there like for the right like in day. August, right when we were starting the two a day practices or whatever. Yeah. So soccer. then my like soccer cleats are in it there. It was nasty in there. So you I feel like your parents got mad at me for that. They did cuz I tried masking it with some uh Abercrombie Fierce. <laughs> to of this course day, you did. To this day my mother cannot stand the smell of that cologne. That Fierce smell. She goes that smells <laughs> like your van. And I almost gagged uh, opening the door. Uh, the, but the real question uh, is how, were you how could you not pick up ladies? If with you some were fierce? with that, if you're no, wearing fierce, they they it was like flies was a to a, a moss to a light. <laughs> it was a chick magnet scent, worked every time. If only there was a scent like that for deer, though. 2004, 2005, <laughs> that was the heyday of the fierce. <laughs> Everything of mine smelled like. Yeah. It. So no, yeah, that's uh, all that to say, don't, nose jammer. That worked well for you. <laughs> good transition uh, <laughs> oh man um yeah i don't have any stories like that my bigger question is like to the you said to this day your mom can't stand it. does that mean you're still are you still rocking fierce no <laughs> i would love it you got to bring me fierce back one of these times i want to show up to podcast with you and just be like 
Dude, just drop it in, <laughs> drop it in someone's uh, like scent killer bottle. <laughs> Ruin their whole. I think if we did that to Mark, oh, he would have to throw away all his clothes. <laughs> oh my god! Could you be like? So I could literally see. I I don't know Eberhart personally, but I could literally see him going to prison and murdering. Oh, <laughs> I, I we asked him. I'm like, well, could you ever put up with hunting with somebody who you know doesn't do scent control? He was like, I wouldn't take him to my good spots ever. Wow. You know, so I was like, well, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the ultimate way to mess with him here. Have some uh, sense right. way, and it's just fear. Garlic. I got this new product for you. Yeah, it's called yeah, Fierce. Use your own personal bottle. Fierce Buck. <laughs> fierce Buck. Um, yeah. So Nose Jammer, but, though, uh, actually, I really do want to yeah, know, yeah. how are you using it so, out there? Okay. Yeah, so Nose Jammer, I will... So it's just like a, an aerosol spray in a red can. It's kind of expensive. I think it's like eight or nine bucks a can, but whatever. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I will spray down my hat and my boots. Yeah, I don't wear knee highs either. Um, and that's not necessarily that's for a- actually for like sweat purposes. Right. Um, like knee highs just really don't breathe and my feet get really wet and then they'll get cold because of that. Yep. yep. So unless I'm for sure going through water, I won't uh, wear knee highs. And then I actually just have uh, hip boots. I find hip boots that are a little bit cheaper and yep. I can go deeper. So I'll actually wear those instead. But, um, but anyway, uh, I'll spray my boots. I'll spray my hat kind of my face but oh yeah like i was saying it's a little it's got like a sticky residue a little bit not like super sticky not like you know your hands are stuck together or anything just like you know it's there type of thing um and i am not sure what it does for the longevity of your clothes i wear a lot of uh first light merino wool so um i don't know what it does to the clothes and there's nothing that says anything about the clothes on there yeah. so i just i don't want it to like eat away at my clothes for some odd reason but anyway i i'll i'll do that i'll go in and then um when i get to the stand um if i was sweating a lot maybe i'll respray my hat or something oh and i'll always spray it on my backpack too mm. just kind of anything like i don't keep anything i keep my my hat and my camera bag in my truck those are the only two things I really keep in my truck. So I'll spray those down and then everything else stays in my truck bed. So like, I just don't really worry about it as much. Right. So what really like said to me, wow, this shit works was I was in a stand. Um, I had set up, I had three bucks. It was a great, it was a great day of hunting, like mm. great, like seven hours. Um, I had three bucks, one with two drop tines within 50 yards and I couldn't get a shot at any of them. I had a doe in estrus and then I had six does come out of a point mm-hmm. coming right at me. Well, like all this shit was going on at the same time. These deer were literally, uh, these three bucks were running circles, chasing this doe out in front of me. And the, the, the diameter of this circle had to be about 40 or 50 yards. So I was just watching them go around and around and around. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, they went around four times. Around you sitting in the tree? No, no. They were like, the closest they got to me was like 30 yards. Okay. In Wisconsin, um, you can't trim like trees or anything on public. So like I was up in this tree and like these deer just started moving and like 
kind of a lot of chaos. So I actually got down and tried to move closer. Yep. And then a smaller buck came in behind me and winded me and took off. So I ran back. So I kind of like crept back to my tree and it's the, the, I'm on kind of like an Oak Island and, uh, the, all, the ground is all crunchy leaves. Like yep. there's not the ground crunching or anything. Leaves. Anymore. Ground crunching. Yeah, leaves. yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I'm just like, I wanted to get closer to these deer that were running around in circles. And then this buck went in me and I lost sight of all the deers that were running circles. I was like, shit, like, I don't know what to do. So I, it, like, it was a terrible decision, but I retreated back to my stand. Right. And, um, I climbed back up my tree and hopped back in my stand and I was like, all right, like keep coming around, you know, maybe I'll get a crack at you at the next time, you know, maybe your diameter will grow and you'll run. It all depended on where that doe ran. Exactly. Right? You never know too. Yep. So anyway, they, they came running back around within 15 yards of where I had been standing on the ground. So oh shoot. Shit. <laughs> so I couldn't get a shot at them then. But then these does came out of this point, like all that commotion had kicked out, like this family of does that were not in estrus. This was like, no, I think it was late October actually. Mm -hmm. So they came out right at me and my wind was blowing from the deer to me, but they were going to come past me and get downwind of me. Mm -hmm. So, and two of these does were massive. Right. So there are those big old smart does. Yep. Yeah. They were old. So I saw them coming at like 40 to 50 yards. And I was like, shit. So I didn't know what to do. I literally like pulled out the aerosol can and I had a, like, I, I prayed that it would cover my noise. And I mm -hmm. literally just started spraying down shit. <laughs> I was just like, You're I was spraying yourself down tree. or just spraying it out. Yeah. Spraying my bag, spraying my bag. I'm in the, I'm in the tree right now. That's hilarious. I'm 15 feet up or whatever. I'm spraying my camera bag. I'm spraying like the tree in front of me and I'm spraying like, I just took a couple swipes down my body kind of, and I yeah. was like, please don't, please don't <laughs> smell me. They came within like six yards of me on my off shooting side. So on my right side. Yep. So, well, I, yeah, I didn't want to shoot him cause there was a, a buck. He was probably like one thirty to one forty, but he had two drop tines. He oh, was yeah. somewhere out in front of me. So I didn't want to shoot. I didn't want to like stir up even more trouble or anything. Right. So they come by me and one of the does stopped. And she just looked up at me like instantly <laughs> and she was just looking at me and then she just flicked her tail and looked down and just kept walking. And I was, I was up there. I mean, I had a lot of good cover in there, so I wasn't, that's probably why I couldn't shoot these deer. Right. Um, but I was, I, I was like amazed cause I just, I did not make eye contact. Like I knew she was just looking at me. Yep. I just didn't make eye contact. So she kind of just kept walking and then all like, I forget there are five or six of them went walking past me and got downwind and a different doe stopped at about 20 yards and looked back towards me and then just put her head back down and kind of flicked her tail and they all just slowly walked off. Why does vanilla work like this? How does this work? Dude, I don't, I don't know, but I guarantee they were downwind. Like, I, I mean, if I would have farted, they would have smelled it. Right. right. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they were there. Um, so that's when I was like, okay, I'm a believer in this shit now. Interesting. <laughs> I might have to check that out. Yeah. I've never tried Buck Jam. Just bring some Nose Jammer. Out. Buck Jammer? What? Just yeah. Nose Jammer. Nose Jammer. <laughs> Buck Jam is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Dude, I, I honestly like, you know, because sometimes I keep, like, I sometimes I'll throw my boots in my truck and, like, my truck will just smell terrible. So I'll actually use it as, like, a, before my wife gets in or something, I'll just spray, spray my car. It's like vanilla smell, smell like now. Vanilla. <laughs> yeah. Your so wife it doubles, and the buck. It doubles, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hides my scent from her, too. <laughs> it's like, you got to do what you got to do. And he's going to try some fierce. He's yeah, gonna... well, he's definitely going to try some fierce. You got to spray some of that in your car. To, <laughs> your wife won't be able to keep her hands Thank- off you. You're welcome. Tag me in that. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a promotional video here today. We got some. We're sponsored by shares. Abercrombie. Uh, oh. This is their first hunting sponsorship. Official. Their new hunting line and hey, Fitch. Don't forget about Fitch. Hey guys, here's you're drawing up the game plan for how to lose support in the. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you just join up with Abercrombie and Fitch. Maybe Axe Body Spray. Throw that in there too. Uh, next sponsor is going to be Nike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are going to love this. <laughs> Oh, you just really turn. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a huge uh, left turn. So No, thanks for having me on, guys. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost a year, but are you guys going to come back out this way? We have been talking about it. I don't know. I think we're looking at a few different spots. I, I'm, I'm headed east for a uh, a little mixed hunt of bear and deer, and you're, you're still well, deciding. Yeah, Wisconsin is the backup. I, I, we just loved Wisconsin. Okay. We were, that area was cool. That spot we were in Dude, was cool. All right, so I'm going to break your guys' hearts right now. Don't. But I'm not shitting you. About a week after I hunted with you guys, uh, a kid reached out to me on Instagram and sent me on his Onyx Maps location. Yep. And he goes, hey, man. Um, I'm hunting this area, which is the same wildlife area you guys were hunting. Yep. And he goes, this is kind of where I'm thinking to go. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. And I took a look at it and I had pins from where we were pretty damn close okay. to where he was Yep. and generally like where we were hunting. He, he ends up like, I went through kind of a game plan with him and I was like, well, here's kind of where I would go, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I would check. And he had like two days to hunt. He said he gut shot a buck that was 160 plus and he lost it um, in that area, pretty damn close to where we were hunting. There were monsters. Yeah, he said, he deer. goes, it's the, it's, dude, he's like, it's the biggest buck I've ever seen, like, for sure, at least 160 inches, like, not even, not even close to, to anything. He's like, I have trail camera pictures of 140s. Like, this buck was massive. He's like, I just went in here. I found a good scrape. It was kind of on uh, one of these ridges that we were talking about. I set up and he bailed onto private and I lost him after. Wait, I know. Went, I, was, yeah. was the pin like just outside of the town we were by? Well, how, how close it was it to the entrance? Uh, like where we were, mm-hmm. it was like Northwest, maybe a mile. Okay. So, oh, yeah, I know. That was, he would have gone yeah. right. So I think I I I've, when I was there I saw one of the bigger bucks I had ever seen. When I was we had come in from a morning hunt, I had driven into town to get something. Something. And on the way back, I I see this giant buck crossing from private across the road to public, headed to the direction that you're talking about. And it was like I literally <laughs> jumped out of my car. I was in my uh, I was in not in my camo. I was in like long gyms. Mm-hmm. Which is what I call them, and you've got long rods, long rods, and uh, we—that's uh, <laughs> nice. something for any listener. You can claim it. You can have long. My dad's are long jairs, you yep. know. Tom's are long toms. <laughs> uh, anyways, I get out and I'm literally trying to get caught. I'm trying. I grab my bow and I'm just like, I just got to see where he went in, and I, I, we never saw him again. We came back and and didn't pick him up. But that story of that guy has confirmed something Jared and I have de- have debated since we left. Which was basically, I, we felt like we were one week early. We should mm-hmm. have been there a little later uh, in the rut for for that hunt. Yeah, I mean that cold front that you guys were there for, I think sucked. 
Like, I think it just flat out sucked for deer movement. Yeah, I'm looking at the pin right now. It was literally straight west of our camp on the border. Yep, I, that's um, exactly where I was. Yep, I know exactly where that is. I wonder if that's the same <laughs> buck. It was it was one that, like, I came back and, like, it. I was changed. You know what I mean? That was a, a just yeah. a, an absolutely giant deer. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So they, he, he didn't end up finding it. Did he, uh, do you think he died? Uh, died no, or he, he lost it. I don't, I don't know. He just said, he said he waited, you know, he shot it in the morning and he waited eight hours and started looking in the evening and ah, little to no blood tracked it for a mile, you know, a few hours and just couldn't, didn't find anything. He thought the shot was too far back and yeah, he just, he just ended up losing it. That's um, the worst. You know, he called, he called me and it was like describing, and you could just hear it in his voice, how like sick he was he was pretty much crying mm-hmm. on the phone i never met this kid in my life i gave him my phone number right just to call and talk to me about it mm-hmm. and yeah he was just like pretty much crying on the phone oh. he's like dude it just i don't know what like the buck just came in it was so big i like all of a sudden he was there and i just drew back and i shot it he was at like 28 yards Holy cow. i don't know how i lost him and yeah he was just like it's like it happened so fast, you know, and and every hunter can relate to that because it's mm-hmm. just like all of a sudden it's there and you draw and you shoot and you fuck up and you're just. You well, know, I can relate to. It. I hear Jared say it all the yeah. time. Oh man, those fighting words. That's uh, right next to me. So. That sounds like some liquid acid. Well, I, I, we almost went a whole <laughs> podcast without me making some sort of wise crack about Jared. All right. Well, thanks for coming out. Where can people, you know, you have tons of videos. You have a great informational content, like for the average guy who, who doesn't know, where, where can they, can they look you up? Yeah. It's, uh, at a uh, deer vein. That's D E E R V A N E. So it's kind of like, I've made a play on words with the arrow fletching, right? Deer yep. vein. Yep. Um, you can find me Instagram, Facebook, almost like I spend a ton of time on Instagram. Um, I do check all my YouTube stuff as well, so I, you can find me there. And then I have a podcast as well, so it's just the Deer Vein Podcast. There you go. So, yeah, you can find me on all those, but if you want to message me, ask me about something or whatever, probably go for Instagram um, just because I, I check that out a lot more often. Giddy up. Well, awesome. thanks for coming on. It was good to have you. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Volga Hunting. Join us next week, and we'll see you then.